When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. The Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Steelers play their first Sunday night football game of the season, second primetime game of the year against the Miami Dolphins. It feels in Miami. like it's been a longer time than normal for the Steelers to get on to Sunday night. Are you it? kidding me? Of course it does. The Steelers play on Sunday Night Football like 25 times <laughs> a year, saying. it feels like. By week seven, I feel like they've already played twice on Sunday Night. Mm-hmm. You don't have that staying power of number seven where you can just, you know, make that schedule in April and be like, oh, yeah, no, no, number seven's there. Yeah, Ravens-Steelers is going to be a good game. Ravens-Browns is going to be, or Steelers-Browns is going to be a good game. Number put eight? In there. Eh, maybe Steelers-Patriots, a little Brady versus Ben. Yeah, you know, so... Schedule didn't work out for it. Uh, Ben's gone. Steelers are in a transition period. And, hey... I don't want to be the guy to say this, but there's sexier teams out there now that they want to put on this Sunday right. night spotlight. Miami, Pittsburgh, the celebration of the 72 Dolphins. Of course, the only team to go undefeated in the NFL win the Super Bowl. Steelers, one of the marquee franchises in the NFL. This just has a lot of sex appeal to it. And did you see the Dolphins unveil their uniforms? I did not. We're throwing it back to 1972, baby. Oh, really? And they look good. And yeah. they're wearing their blues, too. Well, we all know how good the uniforms could be for that team, and they just go with the Blue's the wrong crap. color. The aqua, mm-hmm. the teal. The teal. Yes. So they're going to look muy, muy excelente on the field against the Steelers on Sunday night. And the Steelers always bring their A game when it comes to their uniforms. So they'll bring the noise as well. Great matchup. Little bit more nervous about this one, though, than I was a couple of weeks ago, simply because I thought we might be looking at a circumstance with Tua where it was going to be a little bit longer term than a lot of people thought it could be. Mm. Just because back to back concussions in the optics that you saw him go down in the Buffalo game and then come back into the Buffalo game after buckling at the knees. You know, and the whole, oh, it was a back injury. Yeah, oh, right. We all know it wasn't a back injury. Your knees buckle like that. It's pretty much a concussion nine times out of 10. 100%. You could just watch watch him, just watch him like walk. It. So I thought we might be looking at a, oh, man, this is a very promising career that just got back-to-back concussions. Let's handle this with kid gloves a little bit. And I mm-hmm. think they kind of actually have handled it with kid gloves because since he could have played against the Vikings. He cleared the protocol against Minnesota and they decided, we're going to go with Skylar Thompson and have Teddy be the backup 
in an emergency situation is he also has cleared his concussion for this game. So there is a little bit of a tiptoeing from Miami side of things. How could you not? I mean, you were at the center of an independent doctor getting fired and all of the drama of the NFL season has really come to your doorstep after what happened to Tua. Now the game that he comes back in is going to be a national televised game. The entire country is going to be waiting for that first big hit on Tua and see how he reacts mm-hmm. to it, see how the Dolphins react if he looks a little wobbly after a hit. So I'm a little bit more nervous that we're seeing Tua in this game, but I don't think it's the same Tua at the beginning of the year, mainly just because he's been off for two and a half weeks and he's been dealing with head trauma for two and a half weeks. Yeah, I think that the guy you saw throw six touchdown passes on his way from coming back from 21 down against uh, Baltimore in week two is clearly not the same guy that you saw uh, or are going to see here moving forward. To me, Tom, I think Tua, I think he's a very talented quarterback, but clearly his style of play, and I'm not saying it's the same style of play as like a Jalen Hurts or a Kyler Murray or a Lamar Jackson, but he, he can be mobile, and that that can lead to extra injuries. And the concussion one wasn't the, – the play where he suffered the concussion against Miami or against Buffalo wasn't because of he was scrambling around for 10 minutes and – he finally came down and got his head smashed in. But it's still not great when you have a guy who can sustain injuries that quarterbacks don't usually get because they're not always so mobile. He gets that concussion. You just don't want – if you're Miami, you obviously don't want him to have now that history of injuries because once you get that first one, Tom, it's basically is he going to create a habit of becoming this perpetually injured player? I mean, just ask the tight end on the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, Firemuth's now had to deal with this for a couple of times in his short NFL career Mm -hmm. already. You worry. And, you know, each hit to the head can make it fragile and fragile and and fragile. Right, and then every subsequent one could compound on the previous one. So I'm not saying that Tua is concussion- He's not he's not privy to concussions, but once you get your first one again, you don't want to create that. Well, you habit. don't go down that road of being privy to concussions until you take your first steps either. And these are clearly the first steps of that. Now it could just be a back to back kind of anomaly in his career, and and just a blip have, on the radar. And it could have also had a lot to do with the mishandling of the first one. Absolutely. He handled the first one correctly. Doesn't play in the next game. He doesn't get thrown to the turf again, and he doesn't get the second concussion that caused him to miss a couple of games. So it could be the way it was handled. It could be just the the nature of who he is, and head trauma is just going to be something that he's vulnerable to. Mm -hmm. I will say this, though. His size was a question coming out of college. You know, it's not like he's Drew Brees or, you know, Baker Mayfield where he's on his tippy toes uh-huh. trying to look over look the line. Over the offensive line. But right? he's not exactly the most built person. He was thrown around a lot at Alabama. You know, you got these big hosses from Georgia and Ole Miss that are going to go to the NFL, harassing him every single week in the SEC. And, you know, he got hurt a couple times at Alabama as well. A lot of people questioned, does he have the size and the durability to play at this level? And I don't want to say, like, oh, you can't play this sport, you're too small. Because, I mean, there's been smaller guys that have been successful mm-hmm. at this sport. But, man, he you look at the plays that he was concussed on, he was flung around like 
you and I were back there playing quarterback. Yeah. Like, it was easy for the defenders to throw. Like, I don't even think they maliciously tried to throw him to the turf. No, he they was just, with was, so much force right. that they tackle with the quarterback, and he's just kind of like a ragdoll, that they threw him down pretty aggressively. So, again, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, he's too small, get him out of the league. I think his size that a lot of people were questioning coming into the NFL are is kind of starting to, you know, those questions were merited. We're starting to see that. And also, you have to consider that what did Miami do in order to obtain Tua? They used what was the number seven overall pick or the number 10 overall pick on him in 2020 or 2021 or 2019. If you don't work out with Tua, I don't, I'm not saying that, you know, it's a, it's a huge failure, it's a huge restart, but Tua is one of those guys where, People were tanking, and Miami tanked in a way for Tua. You remember those calls, tanking for Tua, but not everyone was super convinced that he was going to be the the next guy, the next quarterback who who takes the baton and leads the league as the as the image of the NFL. People were saying, "Is he really that worth it?" Going like tanking your entire season to acquire coming out of Alabama because I mean there was the Jalen Hurts conversation with him because. Jalen Hurts goes down, Tua comes in in replacement of Jalen Hurts at Alabama and then wins the national championship and everyone thinks, oh my gosh, Tua Tagovailoa, you have to remember this name for forever because he's Alabama's savior and now he's going to be the number one overall pick, which he wasn't, but he was still a a first-round draft pick. But I think now that he's had two good games because you can't call this season a huge success for Tua. After week two, people were ready to crown him and say, okay, we're only two weeks in, but put to his name in that MVP conversation. But when you look at the career, yeah, he finally has Tyreek Hill, but still, I mean, that Buffalo game was sloppy just because of the heat, but he's going to need to do a lot more over the course of the season for people to really respect him and respect his game because two two good games isn't going to do you any good over the course of an NFL career. They're going to use him a lot on Sunday as well. They are a prolific passing offense. 285 yards per game is only bested by Buffalo. Even without Tua, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill have have still been leading the league in receiving yards. Or at least top five. They had 385 passing yards against the Vikings last week between Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. 306 of those 385 yards went to a combination of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell. Hill leads the league with a little over 700 yards in receiving. Waddell not far behind with about 533 under his belt. They had 25 combined targets between the two against Minnesota last week in their loss. That's pretty much it, though, when it comes to the offense. It's the passing game to Waddle and Hill, and those are really their only two big targets. Mike Gesicki, I thought, was going to be a young, up-and-coming Dalton Schultz, mm-hmm. Mark Andrews-ish, if he's lucky, kind of Dallas Goddard mold tight end. And he's not even the starter anymore. And they need him to block, right, and they want ironic. him to be a block, blocker. But he's a wide receiver in a tight end's body. Right, and it's ironic because he just had the best game of his season this past week without Tua. Right, right. And they have no real red zone threats. I mean, Waddle and Hill aren't exactly the most daunting presences when you get close to the goal line. So Gesicki is kind of their de facto red zone threat, but 
Matt Williamson put it better than anybody I've heard on the Advanced Scout last night, which you can listen to, by the way. Subscribe to it on the Steelers mobile app or the iHeartRadio app. They want Kaseki to be George Kittle. But who is George Kittle? There's only one. You know, George Kittle can really affect you in the passing game and be a positive there. But what he does in the running game is phenomenal. He might be the best tight end when it comes to run blocking and moving bodies and helping the run game. And Mike Kosecki's just not cut from that cloth. He's a playmaking tight end. So it's weird to see him kind of get buried on the depth chart like that. He did have a big game last week. Let's see if that might continue for him, although I kind of expect it not to because I just don't think that's what Mike McDaniel wants to do. Okay. They pass the hell out of the ball, second in the league, Jacob. For the second week in a row, <laughs> there's a team that runs the ball worse than the Pittsburgh Steelers. Which they is can't con- run the ball in the state of Florida. Which Tampa Bay and Miami just can't run the football. They have good running backs. I mean, not like not great, great running backs. But Chase Edmonds, Edmonds are okay. Mostert is, I think, he's okay. When he's healthy, he's doing well, and he's he's not had his worst season. I mean, I think when he was in San Francisco. And he had his breakout like seven game stretch down the final or the the final seven games of that one season. People were saying, "Okay, here he is. Here he comes. He's going to be the next splashy running back." And then he just kept getting injured and injured and injured. But two weeks ago, time he ran the ball for 113 yards against the Jets. Last week he had only 50, but on 14 carries. So they're they're trying to get him the ball. It's just not always. Productive, and you know I can't really blame him for that. It's just they're not they're not a run heavy team, and why would, why would you be when you have Tua who can throw the ball when you have two of the best wide receivers in the game? Well, it's just surprising to me that they're not more run heavy because of who's coaching them. Mm-hmm. Cut from the Shanahan cloth, mm-hmm. that zone run right, scheme I mean, that Shanahan sh- runs is the bread and butter. For exactly, their and you're talking about. McDaniel and, and Mostert both coming from that San Francisco offense. I mean, I think that's why he got Mostert is mm-hmm. because he liked the familiarity he had with him and knew that he can execute the system he wants to run. The only problem is you don't have the offensive line like they do in San Francisco, and you don't have right. that freak at tight end like George Kittle who can block as well as he can pass catch in Mike Gesicki or Durham Smythe. You know, you got they're kind of like if those two were together and had a baby. That would be George Kittle because Doran Smythe can block and Mike Kosecki can make plays in the passing game. Well, George Kittle does that both. So you don't have that. And by the way, Smythe is worse at blocking than George Kittle is. And Kosecki at the moment is worse Mm -hmm. at making plays than George Kittle is. So you've got a B squad, George Kittle, split into two different bodies, Mm -hmm. not as good of an offensive line. You can't get things going on the ground as much. I'm a little surprised that they're not more run-heavy, but I think it's just born out of the fact that they don't have the personnel up front to create the lanes for most. I think Mostert is a system running back. I think you put him in the right system, he's got speed for days, and he's going to get you a lot of yardage. Yes, I agree. But I think the system is struggling a little bit right now in Miami, and that's why you're seeing less impact on the ground than you thought you would from Mike McDaniel and honestly just an overall apathy to even try to run the ball when things aren't going well. Yeah, but again, Tom, so I think clearly because of that, you need to do what you did against Tampa Bay, right? This team is not going to run the ball, so don't even give them the chance to think, oh, well, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have a Pretty crappy run defense, bottom of the league right now, especially if T.J. Watt's not playing. So let's attack that. Let's let's try. To, and I think for the Steelers, you just same thing you did against Tampa. 
Shut down. You shut down Leonard Fournette. He had what a couple of good carries all game long, but nothing of of consequence really, except for that touchdown he had. But that was a, as a receiver, mind you. So, I think the the plan of action just shut down Raheem Mostert, shut down Chase Edmonds as early as you can, and then just force Tua, who again is coming back from this concussion, force him to beat you through the air. And I mean, if you did that for Tom Brady, you could probably do it against Tua. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, and I, uh, I guarantee you that that's going to be the game plan for Miami mm-hmm. is to try to beat you through the air. Here's a question for you. Sure. When, of course, the injury report is early as we record this on Wednesday, uh, if you start to get some of the guys back in the secondary, Minka is an automatic. He's going to play and yes, play as many to. downs as possible. And I don't necessarily think that guys lost their jobs with their injury and performance of the uh, the JV squad in the secondary, but I wouldn't necessarily just anoint the Levi Wallace's and the Akella Witherspoons as the guys. Yes, put them back in when they're healthy, but maybe that leash is a little bit shorter, and maybe guys like Josh Jackson get a helmet on game day and get out there a little bit more. Maybe James Pierre sees the field a bit more based on their stellar performance on Sunday. So I'm not in the camp that, you know, those guys lost their job and now, you know, will play the JV squad for the remainder of the season or until they kind of fail. But I do think that those guys earned themselves a little bit more of an elevated role on this mm-hmm. roster. Right. And the guys that are in the starting positions whose names aren't Cam Sutton and Minka Fitzpatrick should start to feel a little bit worried. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say 100%. Levi worried. Wallace, I think, is the one that is like, because he's number three, and then the number fours and the fives are kind of making a little bit more noise. Especially than because before. Cam Sutton, you know his role, and you yeah, know nobody on the team does it better than he does. I think Sutton's does. the best corner that they have on the team overall yeah so you don't really look to to cam as the one who's in danger but again me you want levi wallace to work out and the issue is is that he kind of was brought in to maybe be your de facto cornerback number one and you learned pretty easily that he was best served as your cornerback number two because he was playing next to guys like micah hyde in buffalo who could easily take away the other team's best receiving option. And let's not forget that two weeks ago in Buffalo, when Buffalo still hadn't scored a, a touchdown, that or maybe the score was 7-3, something like that, Buffalo, 
that Levi Wallace had that great interception in the red zone, in the end zone, actually. So he can make some plays, but it's just I, – I do understand that your point of some of the guys who played on Sunday who got a lot more action than they normally would have maybe coming up the roster, but I think that you're best served if Levi Wallace can just stay put in that position because he's he has the most experience moving forward or, or already. Yeah, agreed. I, I think that uh, that's the plan that you want to work out, but mm-hmm. of course, sometimes plans don't go the way that you sure, want. Sure, yeah, to go. not so always. It's nice to have a little bit more confidence in the options that right. you have below them on the depth chart. But again, you don't want like like we've had this conversation for so many different positions. You don't want to, you don't want just a bunch of guys competing for that number one because that means you don't have that standout number one guy. How do you feel about? taking out Waddle and Hill, to me, I think it's kind of like that old basketball adage where it's like, let LeBron get his and then shut everybody else out. Okay. Let Tyreek Hill go off for like 115 yards and a touchdown. But maybe. just make but sure, just you make shut sure down Waddle Jaylen only has Waddle. like 40 yards or something like that. If they both go off like they did against Minnesota, I mean, they, they lost the game against Minnesota, but that was more on their penalties and their turnovers. Mm-hmm. If they go off like that, it's going to be hard. They're going to have to turn the ball over three times and commit 100 yards worth of penalties to beat them if those two go off. So I don't think you can cut off both heads of the snake, but you got to make sure that one of them is the only one doing damage to you. And you got to think you you had your miracle performance by shutting out both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. It's going to be hard to do that two weeks in a row against guys like Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So... I like your idea, and maybe it doesn't have to be Tyreek. You know, maybe it just says because both right now are having great seasons. I'm even though Tyreek's numbers are slightly better. I don't. Think there's anything wrong with saying shut down Waddle, and then just have Tyreek beat you. I think, that, or, or shut down Tyreek, and then have Jalen Waddle beat you. I think if you can shut down one of the guys and force Tua to really only use Hill or Waddle, not and, then you also have a shot there. But that's a big ta- that's a big ask because right now, and I don't think there's any debate. Waddle and, and Hill, despite for the past couple of years, this duo has been better. Waddle and Hill have been the better duo than Evans and Gawain have been this year. They've been the best duo in football. Right. It's, it's not debatable. They're well, that's what I'm saying. Top but five, despite the fact top that five, top five, top five. despite the fact that uh, Gawain and Evans have been the top five or or top two even year after year for the past like what three years. Right now, number one is Waddle and Hill. But you kind of saw the strategy work in that game. Evans did mm-hmm. nothing. Godwin had a pretty decent game. Yeah, decent. I mean, what do you have, like 90 yards through the air? I yeah, think like what he 87, something like that. That's what you want to do, man. Right. Have one of them be the guy that, you know, moves the chains and makes plays because it's a fool's errand to sit there, sit in these microphones and be like, how about they both get shut down? Uh, 10 yards for Hill, 50 for Waddle. Right. That's, not, that's just not, just not going to happen. They're going to get over 100 yards combined. Have one of them do a lot of the heavy lifting and take the other one out. I simply would take Waddle out just because I think he's more of a traditional guy to scheme against. Man, Hill is just. Gonna I run have no idea circles. how you stop Hill. Yeah. Like I really don't. Williamson well, said first... last night, defensive coordinators lose sleep more over Tyree Kill than anybody in the NFL. Will this be the first sign that Mika Fitzpatrick? No, it won't be. No, it won't be. No, it won't and Tyree Kill has a field day against the Steelers usually. Yeah. But that's not specific to the Steelers. He's no, a field day against so many phenomenal teams. at what he does. Uh, route running. A plus speed, A plus plus, even catching, catching A plus plus. I mean, he is the total package, and he's only like 
on the five foot eleven? Like, mm-hmm. is he even six foot tall? It's very impressive what he's been able to do with his career, and he's the guy that, yeah, it, he scares me more than anybody on this team. I think he's probably the best player overall on the field. Between both teams, offense and defense? Mm-hmm. I do. Hill, Minka, I think is what the order goes. Assuming TJ doesn't play. Because not playing. Yeah, right. Well, I, think, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Because Tyreek not only is just so talented, but is just so good at what he does. Right? There has been nobody who does the kind of route running slash acceleration that he's done maybe in league history. And he's just... The debate has always been, does a quarterback or wide receiver make the other player? Mm-hmm. And it's very clear that both Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill were phenomenal. Because if Tyreek Hill really relied on Patrick Mahomes as much as people may have thought he would have. He would be leading the league in receiving. Exactly. And, and Patrick Mahomes, especially without Tua Tagovailoa throwing him the ball right. for multiple games. And if Mahomes games. really needed Hill to open up the Chiefs offense, the Chiefs wouldn't do Mm-mm. or look like the Chiefs do right now. And Hill wouldn't look – or, excuse me, Mahomes wouldn't look like an MVP right. candidate like he does right now. Defensively for the Dolphins, they stink. I mean, I'm not even sure kind of things. They really? yeah. stink. They give up 25 points per game. That is close to the bottom That's of the league. That's more so than what the Steelers that score per game. That is more so than the Steelers score per game. But maybe this is the get-right game for them. Yeah. That being said, they got some dudes in the making. Christian Wilkins up front, the uh, nose tackle, or excuse me, the defensive end uh, out of Cle- out of uh, Clemson, first round pick from the Dolphins in 2019. Uh, this dude is a superstar. Trust me, you just don't know him yet because he plays in Miami and they haven't been very good for the past couple of years. As Miami continues their trajectory for being in the uh, forefront of people's minds as far as contenders in the NFL. And maybe they fall off this year, but I think they're building in the right direction there. Christian Wilkins is going to become more and more of a household name. Honestly, with how much Xavier Howard is struggling this year, Wilkins is the guy I circle and say he scares me the most on the defensive side for Miami. Well, I mean, considering Xavier Howard has really taken the step back and the defense is It's a crazy. Whole, they ignored yeah. him in the first week, and then it was like week two, someone started to attack Xavier Howard, and then ever since then, it's like the floodgates have been opened. Because you get that respect at first, right? Because it's like, oh, well, we he is. Him. I mean, he's he's, he's an all tr- pro. Yeah, right. And that's not just a one-time thing. He's been there multiple times. Made pro Pro Bowl almost every year that he's really stepped up to become a household name on defense. So I don't know. Is it is it that now that teams are really starting to attack him, and maybe he's not used to that, and maybe he's just used to being the guy that. When the ball comes his direction, it's it's very infrequently. But now the teams are attacking him, he can't keep up with that kind of tempo or that kind of rep- repetitive right. strikes. Maybe that's it. Melvin Ingram, our old buddy, yeah, is just doing the classic Melvin Ingram thing, right? right. First game of the year, I'm going to pounce on a ball in the end zone, bit, force fumble, to touchdown. Yep. Next game, I'm going to get another sack. I got two sacks in two games. I got a touchdown, and I've been very quiet. He only has two sacks. He is tied for the team lead in sacks. No one has more than two on the Dolphins. They have 12 total on the season. 12 total. Exactly tied with your Pittsburgh Steelers. It's two per game. So they're not prolific as far as sacking the quarterback is concerned. In fact, as far as quarterback knockdowns, they have the third fewest in the NFL. The Bears and the Rams touch up your Mm -hmm. quarterback uh, less than the Dolphins, and that's it. So... 
It's been a pretty fun Sunday for opposing quarterbacks when they right. play the Miami Dolphins. And maybe and that's good news for Kenny Pickett. Or Mitch, whoever's but in Kenny there. Pickett, but Kenny Pickett, if he, Pickett if for he's, sure. If he's coming back from the concussion and he doesn't have to worry about being knocked down, that's a huge relief that he doesn't have to – That there's little possibility of him re-aggravating that concussion. Yeah, so uh, in conclusion, mm-hmm. I'm not scared of this Dolphins defense at all, as especially I said, after the two defenses you just had to play. As I said, in this four-game death stretch, and I'm using air quotes, the Dolphins really have fallen off, but – for more reasons than just their defense because of Tua Tagovailoa not being out there for the past couple of weeks. But that defense, Tom, of the other three teams that the Steelers are playing before the bye week, the Dolphins' defense stands alone in terms of beatable defenses. Subscribe to the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast. Steelers Digest editor Bob Labriola talks with head coach Mike Tomlin about the upcoming game. New episodes drop every game day. It's available on the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. You will not hear Coach Tomlin speak more candidly than he does with Labs on these game day podcasts. So definitely make sure you subscribe and give it a listen before kickoff against the Dolphins on Sunday night in Miami. It is a Wednesday. That means it's power rankings time. Our top 10 in the NFL is coming at you next, plus a little bit of a surprise to end the episode as well. He's Jacob Brecht. I'm Tom Opperman. You're listening to the Steelers Standard. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. 